The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim my whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. So now's the time to be a dog, right, Victoria? Yes. You know why? Why? It's getting cold out. The temperature's dropping. You have a nice fur coat. I know my dogs love going outside in this weather. It's perfect. It is, Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? You grew up in England. There's never sun. There isn't sun. Thank goodness I live in Atlanta now. Sorry, I love England. I love England, and I love going back to visit. In June and July. But I also like the fact that I'm here in Atlanta in October, and the weather guy says, it's going to be 68 degrees today. Pretty cool. <laughs> cool? Are you kidding? That is hot in England. Yeah, that's summer in England, right? Well, uh, it is getting to be that time of year when all the leaves are changing. It's beautiful, perfect time to go out and walk for your do- walk with your dog. And um, it's a good time. So I'm just giving my little um, PSA right now. Take your dog for a walk can and get I, in shape before the holidays. Can I admit something? Yes, please. Yesterday, I really did not want to walk my dogs. <gasps> I know. Isn't that bad? I thought, oh God, I've got to go walk my dogs again. And I do it every day. I do it every day. You know why? Religiously every day. Because you must walk your dog. Yes. <laughs> and you know, and I laughed at myself because I thought the amount of times I've told people, you've got to walk your dog. And I do. I mean, I practice what I preach, but I really didn't want to. And I said to Van, I said, do you want to walk the dogs? Said to my husband, you want to walk the dogs? No, he couldn't because he was busy. So I had to go walk them. And after I came back and I felt great. We played ball in the park. We had a fantastic time. My dogs were so excited. We had the best hour. But I just wanted to admit that because I'm human too. (laughs) I love it. You heard it here. But remember, we're in the cone of silence on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Don't tell anybody. She's actually human. Mm -hmm. I love it. So you've been busy too. Um, You have... But what have you been doing? Like, where have you been? I went to the Association of Pet Dog Trainers Conference in San Diego. Great right. place to have a conference, by yes, the way. No kidding. Um, and then we had a, an evaluation day for some trainers that are going to join our uh, Victoria Store Positively Dog Training Network. That was was perfect. And then I also did an appearance at the San Diego Pet Expo, oh. which is, I, I signed autographs for and, and smiled for two and a half hours. Tiring. Tiring, but I mean, the line was huge. It's so fantastic. Awesome. There's a lot of people are watching my show and, and, and that just, you know, it makes me feel good because a lot of animals are being helped. But yeah, yeah I, I felt like I was at my wedding. <laughs> Always when I go to these things and people want to have their pictures yeah. taken with me as well as me signing their books, you know, and I have this permanent smile plastered yes. on my face my cheeks they they get exhausted by the end of it well you've got you've got a bunch of events coming up so you've got november 10th in york pennsylvania so you have to keep smiling bleach your teeth uh november 20th new bed for massachusetts i think you should show up in a wedding dress and december 3rd in shropshire england where you're going to need earmuffs it's going to be heavy boots (laughs) it's going to be cold 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 and if you go to positively.com slash appearances you can get details on all of that and you can make victoria smile with you I love that. Okay, so um, something uh, serious I wanted to ask you about Lennox, because I know that last uh, time we spoke, we talked about Lennox, the pit bull in England, who was 
Was it last time? I can't remember. It's like a couple times. Right. I can't remember which podcast yeah, it was. Northern but, Island. Yeah. Oh, Northern Island. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, we have our little fancy producer over there correcting me. Um, but I know Lennox was basically due to be put down because he unfortunately was a pit bull. That's the only reason. Yes, he's due to be put down, but he's had another stay of execution where oh. they found a point in law that, um, again, they're trying to ask for an appeal. Now, this appeal could go on for weeks. It could go on for months. And here's here's the problem. I think all of these appeals, I just don't, I can't see another outcome because I don't think that Belfast County Council and I don't think the courts are going to allow this dog to go anywhere. I mean, we have the means to get Lennox out of the country. He has a sanctuary that he can go to in the west of the Western United States. It's all ready for him. We have the financial means too. But I don't think Belfast County Council are going to let him out. Why not? Because they, it's all about ego now. That's all, that's what it's about. They, they have to be right. It's about ego. They cannot admit that they made a mistake. Are, are these people elected officials that are making this decision? Uh, yeah. So how do the people yeah. in the town feel? I mean, is oh, there? Absolutely. I mean, uh, look, Lennox has 116,000 people sign his petition. It, it's it, the majority of, 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 yeah, you've got some pit bull haters there. And this mm-hmm. dog's not a pit bull, by the way. DNA analysis was a, um, a bulldog lab mix. Um, but but there are people there who, who, who are against him because he's a dangerous dog, even though he's never bitten anybody in his life. He just was taken away because of the way he looks. Um, but uh, but he has huge support. So that the general person on the ground, no, they, they think he should go back to his family. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think the only thing that could potentially happen is, is, is in, in a miracle, a miracle. If a miracle happened, we could get him out of the country. So... All of these days of execution, though, means that Lennox is mm-hmm. sitting mm-hmm. in that sh- in the secret location that he's in, in a, a kennel run. Um, and actually, when I saw the evaluation done by Sarah Fisher that was, that was done about a month ago, um, Lennox has lost a lot of the hair on his body. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has a skin condition. He's been treated for it. But the skin condition that he has does not warrant the amount of hair loss that he has. So I, I know that, that there's a lot of stress going on. He's also on anti-anxiety medication. Is he being cared for? I mean, is, is he being walked? Is he being No, I, I doubt very much doubt he's being walked. I mean, I can't... I can't positively say Mm -hmm. exactly what's happening to him but i don't think judging by the way his coat looks Mm -hmm. i don't think he's receiving the best care but then you know i i I, nobody's privy to that his family haven't seen him since he was taken away in may 2010 and regardless with lennox i really hope that the folks that live there in that town actually vote with their opinions and, you know, get rid of those people who sit on the council because those people are just ignorant. And this is my personal opinion. I speak for myself only, but it just, it angers me. And I hope that people will, that there will be fallout because, you know, this is, I think, the ultimate of ignorance. It is the absolute ultimate of ignorance. And yeah. so we're going to fight it as much as possible. But uh, there's a li- there's limited things that I can do. All I can do is, is offer my expertise and offer Which... my help and offer um, a little bit of financial help, too, to get him out of the country if we have that possibility. You know, I wish I knew some Navy SEALs that could do like a black ops, covert ops. We can go get him and, you know, I'd do it. I'd go. I, I better not say anything about that. Yeah. <laughs>
All right, let's move on then. But um, yes, you know, I want to ask you something, something though, yes. Miss Holly Furfer. Yes. How is Cashmere? Oh, my dog Cashmere. Speaking of pit bulls who are fantastic, Cashmere had her knee replaced, her left knee, and she is doing great. Um, we um, went to Dr. Alan Cross, who was fantastic at uh, Georgia Veterinary Specialist. I have to give them a plug because um, he had, I mean, he was just beautiful with her. She tore her tendon in her left knee, and we think now to completely tore the right knee. It's just because it's part of her breed. We don't think it was an accident or anything. And so he went ahead and rebuilt her knee and put a pin in it so that he can sort of refocus the stress because she is part pit bull, part American bulldog. She's 70 pounds of muscle on these little tiny legs. So they rebuilt it and she's okay. I was out of town when my husband picked her up and it's probably a good thing. Now she has to have her right knee done and I'm probably going to have to go out of town for that too. He picked her up and I called, how is she? How is she? Oh, she's okay. Yeah, she's in a little pain. What's that noise in the background? Oh yeah, that's cashmere. She's moaning and she's crying and I'm hysterical. What do you mean she's moaning? She's crying. Oh my God, do something. Give her more pain meds. He's like, Holly, you know, he's the very rational, as we've talked about before, you know, very calm, sort of nothing affects me person. And, uh, he's, you know, instead of, I know, honey, you know, it's okay. I'm going to get busted when he hears this, but instead of it's okay, you know, I know you're not here. It's fine. You know, you have to talk me off the ledge. I'm very emotional. I'm a woman. Instead, I get this. I'm reading the paperwork that they sent home and it says cashmere will groan and moan. Like he's screaming at me. <laughs> I was like, I can't talk to you. And I hang up the phone. I'm hysterically crying and I'm, I'm, you know, at work at CNN and what's the matter? I'm like, this is why I can't ever have babies. It's terrible. Like, I don't know how people do this, but she's okay now. Now she's just really pissed off because she has to wear that cone around her neck until the stitches came off. You know, she was mad. She got great reception though with direct TV, but <laughs> She is, um, but she's fine now. The cone's off. The, um, stitches are out. You know, she's still hobbling and we've got to do this again in six weeks. Wow. And get the right knee done. So the poor baby, and it's hard because you want to tell them it's okay. You're going to be much better afterwards. You're going to be like Lindsay Wagner and the bionic woman. You'll be fine. And you know, and, and also look, don't give me grief because I'm going to be riding you to work because I can't afford to do a car. It went into your knees. So, um, but, but she's much better. She's just, you know, it's sad because you want to do more for them. And you can't. I just just went off the rails on that, didn't I? I was very excited. No, 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 no. I, I asked the question, <laughs> and I gave you definitely and an you answer. You gave me the answer. Yeah. Could you? T- uh, yeah, you've been in Washington this this yes. last week. I was uh, in Washington working out of the CNN bureau there and doing just basically news stories. It was great. I love DC. Wow. Loved what the did energy you think there. about the debate? Ooh, those fisticuffs nearly happening there. There was a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We actually did a story um, in the Republican. Um, you know, the, every month there's a flavor of the month, as they're calling it, and I was very excited because that was clever we did you know Herman Cain now is the front runner with Mitt Romney you know statistical tie and um I was very excited because I came up with raising Cain and is Cain able nice look at that thank you see that's why you're really good at what you do (laughs) but it was great and I'm glad to be home though so yes very nice very nice and what about movie casting yes tell me about that do you not know about that? No. Oh, very excited. I heard it on the grapevine, though. You're going to be on our screens? I know. I've done TV, but I don't think I've any done. I've never done any feature films. Listen to me like, I don't remember. But um, I was cast in the Denzel Washington movie that's filming here in Atlanta called Flight. It's a Robert Zemeckis film. So I will be taping it, um, I believe, on November 8th. Wow. So I will let you know. And what are you going to be doing? Goes. Oh, it's a stretch. Um, I'm going to, you know, have to practice for weeks because I'm the role of the reporter. Right. So I'm going to have to work at this, but no, it, it's very cool. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm like, is this the scene where Denzel tries to woo me? <laughs> apparently that's not in it. So, um, but I'll let you know how that goes. And Please I've never do. been on a feature film set. 
Oh, and I guess I'll get to meet Robert Zemeckis because he's the director. See if he directs my reporting skills. So there you go. I used to be able to name every nut, and that used to drive my mother crazy. What planet is he on? That's like peanut, hazelnut. Yeah, but did you know macadamia nuts are toxic to dogs? Macadamia nuts. I'm absolutely amazed. Oh, and did you know this? Recent genetic, fossil, and DNA evidence show that dogs were first domesticated from wolves at least 17,000 years ago. Now, that's a long time. All right, I'm very excited because, Victoria, you see that thing in the corner, that red phone that's lighting up like in the Batcave? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon might be on the phone. We're using our hotline for the very first time. Who is it? The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! We have our first ever guest here on the Positively Hotline. She is my friend, Lisa Spector, and I'm telling you, this woman is incredible. She is a classical pianist, and together with Joshua Leeds, a psychoacoustician, these two people have revolutionized our our understanding of canine hearing and how you use music to calm a dog. They have an amazing line of calming CDs um, called Through a Dog's Ear, and I'm very excited because I've paired up with them to uh, introduce and produce the Canine Noise Phobia series. So, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Victoria. It's an honor to be here. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you. And uh, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Holly Furfer. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Holly. How are you doing? I am great. I'm I'm dying to talk to you about this because it's incredible, incredible idea of doing this. Explain, if you would, just the 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 reasoning behind doing a CD and 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 working with the dog's hearing, if you would. Well, originally, um, this actually goes back to about 2003, 2004, I just started noticing in my own home environment how my dog was reacting to the sounds around me, and I noticed that when I played, I'm a concert pianist and a Juilliard graduate, and I've always... Oh, my dogs have always been exposed to my piano playing, and I just noticed that when I played certain pieces of music and certain certain songs that were uh, maybe slower and a little bit lower in frequency, how they reacted and how it calmed them in, in situations that otherwise might have been stressful. And then I approached Joshua Leeds, a sound researcher, on the concept of combining his ideas and his music that has been used in neurodevelopmental centers around the world and applying those same psychoacoustic principles to the canine world. And that's when we partnered up on the Through a Dog's Ear project. So, Victoria, then what are some of the issues, though, with dogs? I mean, you know, what are you, what are you specifically looking at when it comes to calming a dog or trying to help a dog? Well, you know, dogs that are living in our societies now, they, they have a lot of stress. They have a lot of anxiety. So the calming music especially can really give those dogs peace. And it's found to be extremely successful now all over the world and is being used in the home, in the car, 
in shelters. And that's where I, uh, I have been especially interested to see how music can help dogs that are in a stressful shelter situation really relax. Plus also they're using it in, in veterinarians, as, uh, in surgeries as well. Um, and it promotes healing time. Anything that uh, can really help relax a dog in this world, this crazy world we live in, um, has shown to be beneficial in so many ways. But the noise phobias, there are many, many dogs that suffer from no phobias of noise, certain noises, including city sounds, thunderstorms, and fireworks. And that's why we developed the canine noise phobia series. Is there a specific, Lisa, type of music? I mean, I listen to classical music at home all the time. So are my dogs getting it sort of, you know, ipso facto in the background? Or is there certain music that you realized works better working with Joshua that you know that dogs react to? Right, that's a good question. Well, it had already been proven that classical music calms the calms canines. Uh, Deborah Wells had done a study. She's an Irish behaviorist, and she had done a study actually in San Francisco back in um, 2001 and tested dogs in shelters by playing a variety of music and also a control study with no music. And she found that the classical music calmed the dogs. But that was such a wide variety of classical music that we wanted to find out if we used the same principles, again, that are used in neurodevelopmental centers to, to calm autistic children. So in other words, took the principles of um, lowering the frequencies simplifying the orchestration so it's a single instrument rather than a 100-piece orchestra, slow down the tempos to 40 to 60 beats per minute, and um, rearrange, not always, but when needed, rearrange classical composition so it met, met that criteria. What we found in our two years of clinical research is that it not only calmed the dogs and helped them to stop barking, but it actually relieved certain anxiety issues. So it helped with separation anxiety and um, many other anxiety issues. So if you, many people say, oh, I just play, put on my classical radio station. Well, some of that music may be great for the dogs, but at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, that classical radio station wants to amp up your energy and is going to be playing things that are more lively and fuller and more Rachmaninoff and Strauss and things that have a bigger orchestration that really might cause actually a lot of hyperactivity in dogs. You know, we have a copy of it here, and I know we were talking about thunderstorms. Yeah, thunderstorms is a big deal, especially in the Midwest, especially here down in the South. So this is an example of the music. We play the music to the dog to begin with, and you can hear it underneath, um, for about five minutes to relax the dog, and then gradually we bring the noise of the thunderstorms in. Track by track, the noise gets a little bit louder. This is more towards the end of um, the CD, where the noise is coming in pretty, it's pretty intrusive. Um, but by the time you've done all the training in the beginning, your dog will be able to listen to these big booms and crashes of the thunder and the rain um, without reacting in a negative way. And actually what you're doing is you're changing the dog from being, from actively listening to a sound to passively hearing. Um, is that, a, is that a, a fit description for it, Lisa? That's a very good description. And just so our listeners know, underneath those sound tracks, the music is continuous. So it actually, that's what's helping keep the dog calm along with Victoria's wonderful training protocol that's written in the CD liner notes. <clears throat> and, and so, Victoria, you might mention on that as well. 
Yes, the, every single CD does have my training protocol in it because you can't just stick this on, stick this on and hope your dog doesn't fear the sound of thunderstorms anymore. You have to go through my training protocol. So it might take you a while to get up to this level where your dog can actually hear these sounds. But the, the, the more time you take with this and the slower you take it, you go at your dog's pace. There's no one size fits all. And um, when you get to the point where you can really play the music with a lot of thunderstorm noise on top of it, you're getting to the point now where your dog, when the real thing comes through, hopefully is going to just hear it, but is not going to freak out. Is, is the music... Do the dogs get used to the song? You know, like you hear a song that you like and you go, oh, that's... And so you get familiar with that song. So whenever they hear that song from now on, it calms them and they don't get excitable. Because yes. you, you, it's a positive association. So you play the music beforehand and you feed the dog its favorite food or you pet the dog or you give the dog a massage. Anything that makes the dog feel relaxed. The dog begins to associate that music to feeling good and then you use that music and bring the thunderstorm noise on top of that so the dog's still feeling good has a great positive association with the music now is hearing the sounds and you gradually build the sounds up so at the end of the day when the sounds are really loud dog's still hearing the music not so concerned about the side the sounds because the positive association has been built you know it, that, i love i've got to tell you lisa and i, I love the music and the thunderstorm, like, I just want to grab a book and grab a cup of hot tea and go sit in my room and listen to this. It, it's it's great. So it's kind of for people, too. Right. It's interesting because the thunderstorms um, can, you know, it's it's kind of because of the rain sounds and the waterfall. It's a little bit relaxing at first. But then by the end, as Victoria was saying, by the end, by the last track, it's getting, um, you know, more assimilating what a real thunderstorm would be. But by that time... I mean, you wouldn't just start with the final track. You would, you know, build up to that, as Victoria said. So, so the the dog is associating a positive feeling with that. We have another, you know, in the canine noise phobia series, uh, including we have another one called fireworks and another one called city sounds. And in the city sounds, it's about every sound you could possibly imagine, and then some in an urban environment. And when we played this recently to an audience of over 1,100 at a conference, um, and with this, with the music underneath it, it actually we found it was somewhat calming, even while sirens were going off and car alarms and honking and dogs barking. With the music going on underneath it, it creates an entirely different association. Now, with the city sounds, I was very concerned when I was bringing my very young chihuahua who had not experienced really anything um, in the first six months of her life before she came to me. And now she, I had to take her to New York City. I had to take it to New York City because I was filming there. So, but how am I going to take this dog who's hardly been out of her crate for the first six months of her life, hasn't seen a car, how am I going to take it to the city and live on 8th Avenue? Um, and I used, for two weeks before I left for Manhattan, I used City Sounds and this music. And I'm telling you, for a very sound-sensitive dog, because she is sound-sensitive and pretty reactive, she walked through that city like she owned the place. And I really believe it's because I did the work that I did with the City Sound CD.
Well, I got to tell you, I, one of my dogs is a barker. Whenever he sees somebody go by, he can hear people talking in the yard next door. And we live in a neighborhood. Our houses aren't that close, but he constantly he can hear a little, the littlest thing. He can hear a noisy car come by and he barks. And so it doesn't even have to be in the city. I live in the suburbs, but it's still, you know, a very quiet suburb, a very quiet street. And he, you can hear his barking all up and down. So that would probably help. Don't you think for that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and finally, Lisa, when we're not just talking about um, treatment, are we? We're also talking about prevention. Absolutely. That's really a very exciting part of this, that if you start with young puppies and, and they are introduced to this very early in, in their life, this just becomes something that, oh, well, they hear a siren and they actually associate a calming feeling behind that. That's remarkable that that can happen early on in their, in their brain development and their cognitive learning and their association. And it's so, it's so exciting that, you know, not all of us have, have young puppies at first, but those who do, it really can help for prevent for the anxieties. Because thunder, these anxieties, as Victoria knows, thunderstorm and fireworks, I mean, thunderstorm is, is, you know, if you live in the Midwest, I mean, it's just terrifying to dogs. And in some, it can be fatal sometimes. I mean, it's such a debilitating anxiety issue. And very previously, people have thought there's nothing they can do to prevent it. And we believe this could be the world's first preventative uh, audio treatment for, for canine um, sound phobia anxieties. I also think it's important to note that you don't only have to do this for uh, for prevention with puppies. If you adopt an older dog as well or have an older dog come into your home, you can start doing this to prevent anything from developing later. And that's why I really, really like this series. And I think um, it's, it's going to take off in a big way. And I think it's what's missing out there. But also, for example, if you've got a thunderstorm-phobic dog, you've, this is, we're, we're taking care of one component of it, which is the sound. Um, with thunderstorms, you know, you might have the changes of barometric pressure where the dog is receiving static electricity. You might have the, the look of the lightning that's really f- frightening. Um, and so you have other training protocol that goes with the sound sensitization, um, desensitization CD as well. And you can find that on, on my website, positive.com. So, Lisa, uh, yes. I'm excited to have to say for the calming because, you know, my, my husband gets really hyperactive when his football team plays. So this might go on in the background. It's great. Will it not work for my husband? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Fantastic. (laughs) But yeah, uh, positively.com, you can get the CDs, fireworks, city sounds, uh, calming, thunderstorms, and you can also get it through adogsear.com. And uh, they're $15 a CD, $49 for the whole set of four. And you know what? If somebody gets a, uh, um, say, a new furry friend for the holidays and somebody decides to adopt somebody, this is a perfect gift to go along with it. Like you mentioned, when you rescue a dog, uh, this is a great way to introduce them to the home. So I love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lisa, so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure working with you. It's such a pleasure to know you. It's such a pleasure Thank to you. listen My to your beautiful music. Thank you. My pleasure as well. It's an honor. Nice to meet you, Lisa. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. 
ask me anything, Holly. Okay. I'll answer. Well, actually, Rick in Hemel Hempstead. Oh, Hemel Hempstead. I know that very well. Oh, do you? We're mm-hmm. part of the countries that is. Yes, it's actually just, well, pretty close to London. Oh, there yeah. you go. Well, here's a question for you. He says, why do you have music playing throughout your programs? I guess he means it's Mere the Dog. Oh, yeah. I find it most irritating, and sometimes I have to switch it off. Is it just me? No, <laughs> it's not just you. Um, actually, I really haven't heard that from anyone before, but um, Rick it's, sensitive. It's, it's out of my control. If you have a problem with it, contact Shed Media in Los Angeles. There you go. Done. All right. How about this one? This is from Marianne. It's a comment and it's kind of funny. And I kind of want to, I want to meet Marianne. I want to go out and have drinks with her because she says, Hey, Holly or Victoria or whoever happens to read this exclamation. When I saw that tweet about the new podcast, I literally let out a squeal and jumped around and started cheering exclamation smiley face. Mm-hmm. I probably sound greedy saying this, but I love the length, dot, 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 a full hour of podcast goodness, dot, dot, dot. I was doing homework while listening and almost knocked over my water when I started hearing my email. I guess you answered one of her questions. Yes. It really made doing homework a lot more enjoyable. Exclamation, smiley face. The sound was different, comma, but I got used to it as I kept listening. I also love the intro middle tros. Really excited about the new sponsorship. Exclamation. That's from Marianne. Wow, Marianne. <laughs> thank you so much. But here's the question. Did you fix her dog? I don't know. <laughs> Goodness me. Do you remember the British guy? I loved him who used to do the exclamation, the punctuation. He would read a story. No, you know what I'm talking about he? Oh my gosh, I think he's long gone, but he used to be on PBS and he would read a story and he would do the exclamation and the punctuation like it sounded. Oh. Okay, I'm going to find him on YouTube and yes. we're going to play a little bit in a, in a future podcast. Okay, okay, okay I'm on it. I want to know. But thank you so much. I'm so glad that I can accompany you doing your homework. That's great. I'm glad she's doing her homework. Okay, here's a question. Uh, Victoria, how can I get my six-month Labrador to stop barking when he goes to puppy training school? He never barks much at home, but goes mad when he sees other pups who remain quiet. The trainer says that he's just overexcited, but his bark is so loud that nobody can hear what the trainer is saying. Because of this, I'm thinking of not returning to puppy school. He's very good in other respects. That's Gene from Ellesmere. Ellesmere Port. It's just, yes, it's just too, too, too stimulating for him. It's too exciting. And there are some dogs that are going to learn better when they're taught by themselves or maybe in a really small class where there's maybe one or two other dogs. Um, when you take puppies to classes, it is. It depends on how much socialization that puppy's getting. Is it? Is he only seeing other dogs when he goes to class, or is he seeing other dogs every day? I would I would increase that socialization. I would increase his experience of seeing other dogs so that it's not so amazing and so stimulating and exciting when you go to class. Okay, good That's to know. That's it. There you go, but don't stop the puppy training. That's no, 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 don't line. stop the puppy training, but you don't necessarily have to take your dog to class in order to train your dog. You can get a trainer to come in and help you at home. Okay, one more question from Amanda. Can you inform me of how I can measure the progress of my three-month working cocker spaniel? What should I expect from him, and can you rush things? Any help would be great. Three Thanks. months? Three-month working cocker spaniel. So I'm not sure if it's three months old or they've been working with it for three months. If it's three months old, that's very, very young. And if they've been working with it for three months, that's still pretty new. And you can't really rush it. No, give it time. Yes, I don't really understand that question. Well, I think maybe somebody's getting a little impatient. Amanda might be wanting to have this dog trained, probably toilet trained, and you know, maybe it's chewing, so wants to know. How far she's this going. This is a lifelong, look, teaching is a lifelong process. And especially when you've got puppies, a dog's a puppy really up to the 18 months of old when it, uh, when it reaches social maturity. So that's really hard for it. Let's jump right into the Let's Embarrass and Humiliate Holly segment. Open your notebook, sharpen your pencil, and get ready. Give me something to write on, 
about to attend Victoria's Animal Academy. Here we go again, Holly. <laughs> this is the time where I break into a cold sweat. Oh, at that dry gosh. mouth and my heart starts pounding. It's kind of like working out. I think you're going to know some of these, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going right. to start. I've got about five questions for you. Okay. Oh. We're going we're gonna to focus on dog breeds. Okay. All right? Okay. Um, if you've been watching Westminster or you watch Crufts, then you'll know a lot about your dog breeds. Yeah, but if I've watched, I know, but I don't remember. Okay. No problem. Okay. <laughs> it's called getting old. Yeah. All right. Um, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels were named after what British king? Charles. Great. There have been about, I don't know how many, <laughs> 10 British kings called Charles. Which oh, Charles? Which one? Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. It was, I was going to say six. Um, Charles the sixth? No. Charles, is there, how many Charles have there been? No, there have been, there have been quite a few, but. Wait. That's okay, wait. I should know this. Charles, yeah. Charles, that feels good, six. Charles the second. Oh. Charles the second. Um. In the French court. And they, it's sort of, um, they were basically, they were used as comforters, really, to keep the women, women at court warm mm-hmm. when they were traveling and also to be, um, to, to just be companions towards the nobility in England. My next door neighbor has a Cavalier King Charles. They're sweet dogs. They are sweet dogs. And they were actually believed that they could prevent some forms of stomach illness. Huh. Um, they were sometimes called the Spanish gentle or comforter, as I told mm-hmm. you. Ladies taking a carriage ride would take a spaniel on their laps to keep them warm during the winter. And Charles I, who came before Charles II, mm-hmm. kept that. a spaniel named Rogue while residing in Carisbrook Castle, which I've been to. It's amazing. But it's Charles II, the breed is really closely associated and is, was said of him that his majesty was seldom seen without his little dogs. Well, I would imagine that his majesty was seldom seen because I've never heard of Charles II. You've never heard of Charles II? No. I mean, obviously, right? There's a six, so there had to have been a second. Well, when Britain was a republic, he um, he went over to France and he lived a, a, in a exile in the French court. See, that's why we don't know him. When Oliver Cromwell was deposed, he came over and became king. Oh. Do you know you have to come to London with me? Because there's a little known, known fact about me. I used to be a tour guide in London. <gasps> yes, I did. I used to work the buses, and then I used to take wealthy American tourists around the parts of London that uh, regular tourists don't see. Fascinating. So I could tell you all about Charles I, Charles II, Henry VIII. I'm very much into the Tudor period. So That's am I. my passion. Well, there you go. Henry VIII, divorced. Divorced, beheaded, beheaded died, died. Divorced, beheaded, beheaded survived. survived. Absolutely. So if you want to know anything, ask me. Um, I'll take you to the place where Elizabeth I saw the first showing of William Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. We'll sit at her very, very table. That's for another podcast. But hey, there you go. Look, okay. number two. Can we two. go when the sun's out? Yes. Like, that one that? week in August? Don't know. Okay. Could be any time. <laughs> Certainly not in the summertime. All right. Um, where does the word beagle come from? Ugh. Beagle. Where does the word the word beagle comes from? Um, in the 1700s, there was a German count who was um, really into Wiener Schnitzel, but that was already named for the dachshund, so he had to come up with another name for his dog. And um, he heard this. You know how they used to have those horns that go ooga ooga. Okay, well then it sounded like beagle, and he goes, "That's it. I'm going to name the dog a beagle." 
That's how you got you the are, name Beagle. You are so good at the art of bull. <laughs> Yeah, that that it's no? perfect. Not right. But you know what? You had a little bit in there. I don't know whether you. Uh, Beagle whether, sounds German. Look, Beagle's penchant of baying enabled the French, oh. not the German, okay, to call them beagles, which means gaping mouths. <laughs> I know a few people who I'm now going to call Beagle. <laughs> beagle. And uh, who's who's a famous Beagle? Who's a famous Beagle? There you go. Oh, I knew that. From the comic strip Peanuts. Yes. I used to have three Snoopies when I was little. Real One ones? big Snoopy and two little... No. Oh. <laughs> Snoopy. That was, uh, that was my favorite um, soft toy. Oh, um, to know. All right, here we go. What was the top breed in the United States for the last 19 years running? Labrador Retriever. Yep, there you go. That was an easy one. Where are they? Lab. Where do they come from? You have a Labrador. Lab? I had one. Dakota. Okay. A yellow oh, yes, lab. of course. They shed like crazy, but they were fantastic. Uh, it comes from Labrador. Which is uh, the origin of Newfoundland. Yes. Good grief. Well, I had a lab. I knew that. Woohoo! See, I made it easy for you. And, Thank of course, you. I have my beautiful chocolate Labrador Sadie, who's yes. awesome. Oh. All right, here's a little known fact. Was Toto, which is the black Cairn Terrier in The Wizard of Oz, a girl or a boy? It was a boy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't? No. They never gave us close-ups. Toto was a girl. Apparently there is one where she <gasps> picks Toto up and you can't see his winky. Oh. Yes. She was paid a salary of $125 a week. And she appeared with other, um, which was a lot in those days. And she appeared in other films with Shirley Temple and yep. Spencer Tracy. Who knew? There you go. There it's you Victoria's go. Animal Academy. I'm smarter now. You learn a lot. Oh, I guess we're, our producer in the corner is like raising his hands. Either he's on fire or we're out of time. And I do believe we're out of time. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's say goodbye, Victoria. It's been a lot of fun. Goodbye, Victoria. Um, and I uh, want to let you know what's very cool is next week we have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine who you are going to absolutely adore, Dr. Paula Bloom. She is a psychologist. She is on CNN, on headlines. She's written a book she'll tell you about. Um, I can't she, wait to meet her because I've seen her on Nancy Grace. She's oh, awesome. She's fantastic. She writes. I mean, she's got the greatest personality. You're going to have so much fun. So that'll be our next podcast. And also, uh, don't forget, Victoria, you're at, uh, you're touring. You're doing New Bedford, Massachusetts, November 20th. York, Pennsylvania, November 10th. Shropshire, England, December 3rd. Positively.com slash appearances. They can find out and see you. Why are you looking at me like that? No, no, I'm just, you're, oh. you're so good. You've got all the information great right there well, at your fingertips. I have it written down. Okay. Well, no, I'm impressed. And, um, no, I'm very excited. Please come and see me in my live shows. We have a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot. We just hang out. It's great. And give her feedback. I would love to, for people to talk about the podcast. Let her know. Let yeah. Her, yeah. Th just say, hey, I listen and what you think of it. Okay. I'll ask them the question. That could be the end of my job. But, Maybe um, I'll get a lot of tomatoes and things thrown at me on stage. <laughs> what do you think of the podcast? Rubbish. I love yeah. it. And uh, don't forget, everything you ever need is on Positively.com and one of our favorite websites, PetsAdLife.org. Great resource uh, to find out all about your loved ones. So we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stilwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more.
Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.